And away we go, hour three of the morning show on a Monday, the 19th of June or Juneteenth. It's a federal holiday today. That means no mail. No mail, no, no stock market, uh, stock no schools, market. no Boy. government. Uh, but we're illegal. working. <laughs> well, some of the uh, some of us got to work. Politicians are off today, so they can yeah. do no harm today. So go. that's good news. So, uh, by the way, this used to be called Emancipation Day until uh, yeah. President Joe Biden made mm. it into a national holiday on Juneteenth. Go. So, celebrating at this mm-hmm. date in 1865, the final Union Army in Galveston, Texas. Announced to yeah. the folks, the last of the Confederacy, that right. the slaves have been freed. There, that was in the days before uh, social media, so uh, it was. the it uh, took a news while. was not instant. Although, well, the, the news was there, <laughs> Yeah, but the Confederates kept it quiet. Oh, They didn't want oh, the slaves to know. I gotcha. And uh, they right. officially, the Union armies had to go in there and, mm-hmm. and tell them. Well, on this Juneteenth, we got Tammy from the Alzheimer's Association joining us. Hi, Tammy. Good morning. <laughs> you had a big deal over the weekend with that uh, big car show over in Superior. Yeah, it was so great. Yeah. You know, they put everything uh, into making great memories and supporting the Alzheimer's Association. Fantastic. What do you got cooking uh, this week? Well, we have got Kohler Blood Drive. So Ah. on Wednesday, this is a really great thing. You kind of get two big bonuses with one (laughs) little needle. I like that. Yeah. They... uh, they, Kohler will donate $25 towards any person's team when they go in and donate blood. And we have right. about five spots left, and that's for this Wednesday. So wow. if you're interested and able to do that, call the Memorial Blood Center and give them your name. And it can also just go to a general donation if you don't know anybody that's walking with it. But if you mm-hmm. want to start your team, it's a great way to get $25 Boy. to start out your fundraising. And give blood at the same time. So exactly. Yeah. Go. Kill Good two idea. birds with one stone. I like that. Also, Earth Rider Brew. They're doing a cool thing throughout the whole rest of the month in a roundup. All right. So make sure to stop by there. All right. We know that uh, in the area, there's at least 99,000 people in Minnesota that have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. And over in Wisconsin, 120,000 people. Sadly, those numbers keep going up, too. They do. They do. And we know that, you know, we're trying to support the caregivers. We're raising money for research, all of these different things. So we just want people to know they don't have to do it alone. All right. And Tammy, uh, the walk is coming up in September. How do we get registered and get more info? Really easy. ALZ.org slash walk. There's 613 walks throughout the nation, so I know there's one that everybody can hit. There Sounds you go. like a deal. All right. Thanks, Tammy. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day. We'll catch you next week. Sounds good. Soon. Take care, guys. 8.15. Guess who else is in the oh, studio this morning? It's the sports guru. <laughs> Bruce Siski is. is here. Jeez, look at that. He's time for sports. Got to raise the microphone. Hang on. Well, here. a little bit. Tammy was on the shorter side. Pays to be tall. Uh, so this is fun. Okay. Uh, Neil, you like to golf, right? I enjoy watching. <laughs> and I enjoy, I enjoy the exercise. There you go. So the U.S. Open wrapped up yesterday. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my friend Dan Wanasota is a teacher, historian down in the city. He's got a book on uh, Minnesota Fighting Saints. And every day he goes on the Twitters uh-huh. and he to- he talks about things that happened on this day in Minnesota sports history. Oh, that's very nice. So today's note, as clip from the Star Tribune on, what's today's day, June 19th? Yes, yep. it is. 1970. Second round of the U.S. Open at Hazeltine down by Chaska. Wow. Dave Hill who at that point was an established professional, shot a 3-under-67 in round two. Good round in the U.S. Open. I would think, yeah. Usually a pretty tough course layout. Here's what he had to say about Hazeltine National on this day in 1970. Okay, go for it. 
If I had to play this course every day, I would find another game. <laughs> wow. Just because you cut the grass and put up flags doesn't mean you've got a golf course. They Ooh. ruined a good farm when they built this place. Oh, <laughs> wow. What does it lack? 80 acres of corn and a few cows. <laughs> Gee whiz. The man who designed this golf course had the blueprints upside down. <laughs> My two kids could lay out a better course than that. Holy cow. I guess he well, wasn't too uh, thrilled. I wasn't thrilled. Of course. Huh? Hazleton, uh, is, wow. are they still open? Now? It's still open. In fact, they just hosted the Ryder Cup. That's wow. right. Not very long ago. Have they, started they must have growing, made a few improvements. Yeah. Are they growing corn yet? That's what I was wondering. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and, that, and that's, be, that's before uh, uh, Chevy Chase and the boys came on came on board oh. with their little uh, <laughs> golf golf show. Remember that? Right. One? Yep. Yep. I don't oh, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. How many times you've golfed is a lot more than I've golfed. Uh, <laughs> I so, tried uh, it a few times, but uh, I'm I'm one didn't work that out uh, too well. Yeah. Uh, I, you might as well have a megaphone saying four constantly. Okay? <laughs> right. Duck your heads. Yep, Atkins look out. is on the course. I that used was... to have to aim way to the left in order to go down the middle of the first. <laughs> yeah. Figured that's the only that, way to do it. That all sounds like what happened to me, there's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, Tigers over the Twins, 6-4 yesterday. Get three out of four in the series. Red Sox in for four, 6-40 at Target Field. Coverage at six here on KDAL. Pablo Lopez versus James Paxton. Bad news for the Twins. Paxton is left-handed. Because oh. you think the Brewers hit lefties badly. No, the Twins aren't very good either. Really? Okay. Yeah. Brewers over the Pirates 5-2 yesterday. They sweep the series, including roughing up a left-hander on How Friday about that? night. Maybe the tide is turning. In this economy, of all yeah. things. Uh, Arizona's in starting tonight at 7. Corbin Burns versus Merrill Kelly. The pitching matchup there. Huskies beat Waterloo 11-9. They're in lacrosse tonight at 6-30. Packers have set their dates for training camp. First practice will be Wednesday, July 26th. Players all report by the 25th. Public practices will continue, including a couple of joint practices with the Patriots on August 16th and 17th. And the last day of open practice will be Wednesday, August 23rd. Times to be announced. Practices outside will be open to the public. First come, first serve for seats at Ray Nitschke Field. Practices held indoors will not be open to the public. Packers anticipate over 80,000 people. Just to watch practice. Just to watch training camp <laughs> wow. practices. That's amazing. This well, coming summer. How much does it cost, I wonder, to get in? It doesn't cost a dime to well, get in. Well, no Show wonder. Up. That helps. Uh, for, see what happens when something's free? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> now, the plane tickets, the gas, the hotel, none of that is free. I'm sure they've got refreshments that they're selling, too. So, <laughs> And none true. of that is free. Yeah, they're going to make out just fine. I yeah, think. economic impact in Green Bay yeah. for training camp <laughs> is actually kind of crazy when you oh. think about it. And the quarterback might actually be there this year. For training camp. I bet you he yeah. will. How far was Green Bay? About four, five, 400 miles from here? From here, it's about a five-hour drive. Five yeah, hours. I would guess Yeah, so. thereabouts. Yeah. Right. Well, you could take your Tesla down there and maybe get there on one one charge. Oh, and, sure. Uh, if hopefully not, find a, a hotel that's got a charging station. A colleague of mine, uh, and you, I think you know him. I'm not going to say who it is on the air. I don't know if he wants the story out there or not, but he was... Uh, <laughs> He was test driving. I think I, I boy, I'm not going to say whose car it was because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I'm not going to say. But it was an electric car, yeah. mm-hmm. and he had it here in the winter, mm-hmm. and so he got it full charge. And they were coming to pick up the car. He had it full charge. It was you know, 190 miles, whatever you get on a charge. They went to pick it up. It was almost dead. Wow. Because it was 
it's too cold. The, it's sap that's just sitting out the cold. Sure. <laughs> so that mastered that, that part of it. Yeah. yeah, I know. There was, uh, remember, they came out with some electric vehicles, mm-hmm. oh, maybe uh, 30, 40 years ago. There was a car called the, uh, well, it wasn't electric, but all the stuff, uh, the Bricklin was a brief attempt at an independent vehicle. Oh. And I talked to uh, somebody that bought one, okay, yeah. it was winter. And everything in it, now, it, the engine was not electric, but all the systems were electronic. It had some of the earliest computers. So her husband went out to get in the vehicle, got in. It was dead. He couldn't get out. Mm. Everything locked down. Wow. Okay? It's like 10 below zero. Yeah. And uh, fine, I guess she never saw the garage door open or something. About a half an hour, 45 minutes later, so she went out there to check, and he's sitting there pounding, ready to smash out the windows to get out of it. Wow. They, they got him out. But well, so, good. Yeah. Uh, what we need in this uh, kind of weather that we have up here in the Northland is an electric blanket for the battery. <laughs> right. And you can actually have the electric battery charge the electric blanket as it's keeping itself warm. Well, you know that story <laughs> that uh, Bruce told there, I've, I've heard from other people who have uh, come up from the Twin Cities with a full charge in the wintertime and, uh, and barely make it halfway and have to <laughs> sit around for about 45 minutes to an hour in Hinkley. They've got yeah. a huge array of uh, charging stations down there. Sure. And Yes, in the wintertime, the cold diminishes it dramatically. And I would say, I, I wonder down south with using air conditioning if mm-hmm. uh, if it's the same situation. I, I I would suspect that using the air conditioner all the time in the electric vehicle, you're going to sap that. I would think you're going to sap yeah, it quicker. Yeah. I know, like, I've got the electric lawnmower. <laughs> Which wor- it works. You for got me. air conditioning on your lawnmower? No, no, oh, no. Oh. I, but I, but so I've got a lawnmower. It's got two forty volt batteries. It la- right. they last combined maybe an hour and yeah. something. Wow. It takes me thirty five minutes to cut my grass. I, so it's fine yeah. for me. Other people that would not work nope. for a lot of folks. Uh, mine takes an hour and a half. So I'd yeah, that would missed. not work at, at your right. place. But uh, if you, it's a self propelled mower. But if you run the self propel, <laughs> that burns the battery faster oh, well, too. Right, sure. Uh, you got to account for that one because wow. I, I try to get through the lawn on one battery, right? Because I can, mm-hmm. but if I use the self propel too much, mm-hmm. then I can't right. because I, I eventually have to go to the second battery. Well, at least you got spares. You just plug in another one. And yeah, you go. I, I just charge them both. I, I, they right. both go in the mower at the same time. I just oh. got a, there's a there's a plug you switch to tell it which battery oh, to use. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, we've got a weed whacker that's uh, got the batteries on. Yeah, it, and, yeah. and it's. Um, Half an hour, forty-five minutes, maybe, mm-hmm. steadily whacking weeds yep. out there, and I'm like, done. Yep. And you, you, there's fortunately there's two. Yeah. You but if you don't have the other one charged up, well, then you're you're, so I just, you're not whacking. I charge them both, <laughs> and then I have the one the one I'm not using that goes in my pocket, and then when I got to switch them out, I switch them out. Right. There you go. Right. Yeah. Thank Works. you, Bruce. Hey, what's going on in the Bruce Siski show this morning? Uh, pro boxing back at the Armory in Minneapolis this weekend with Premier Boxing Champions, mm-hmm. and we'll chat with Minnesota native veteran Caleb Truax. And we there will be go. back. More of the morning show on KDAL 824 already. Seals and Crofts. It's Diamond Girl at 828 Monday morning, the morning show. And here we are. Atkins talking golf this morning. We were kind of doing that there a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Neither one of us are golfers, so it's kind of strange to have us talking about golf. I know, and and Bruce (laughs) isn't either, and I, uh, I... 
friends of mine, uh, you know, I office up in Two Arbors a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. and they've got a municipal golf course up there. Uh-huh. And um, I go over to the clubhouse there maybe once a week and have lunch with, with the gang. Sure. And uh, talk to a lot of the golfers. And they really like that course up there. I guess that course has been... Uh, really? It's... In the, there's there's those that eat, live, and breathe it. <laughs> there are those that... Uh, it's okay, I'll go out maybe uh, yeah, do a right. few rounds. And then uh, I've talked to some people that are kind of pokey, mm-hmm. and they uh, agitate the people that are coming up behind them <laughs> because they've slowing everybody up. That's and right. I thought you were supposed to go out there and have a good time doing this, but mm-hmm. some people get a little intense on it. But, you know, talking about golf and the Duluth yeah. golf courses. Duluth has two municipal golf courses, one shut down right now, Leicester. Right. Apparently and that's uh, going to be the uh, I guess that's it. It's the toast. future of the golf is one course. Apparently uh, uh, anger is the one they, right. they're going to put an irrigation Fix system in it yeah. to uh, the tune of about $4 bucks, and uh, get that refurbished. Mm-hmm. The courses were improved back when John Fita was uh, mayor back in the 80s. He was a big, big golfer. Ah. Saw a vision, and they ended up Going from 18 holes to 27 holes Holy on both cow. Anger and, and Lester. And uh, I'm told that the, the one set on Lester uh, by the by the lake, right. uh, some people didn't like the way that was situated. And unfortunately, uh, apparently the city's looking at maybe doing some sort of development there. And I was talking yeah. to some people that know the, the lay of the land, and they were, you know, saying that uh, they better... They better do it right, whatever development they do out there. Right. And uh, we'll see as things come <laughs> along on that. But it was interesting, the the various mayors that I worked with when I was on the council and the Gulf. Yeah. Uh, the city set the city council set the fees. There was a fee schedule for the golf courses because they came under parks and recreation. Uh, and uh, there was an annual fee if you wanted to pass. Okay. And it, I remember one year, let's see, I think it was 500 bucks for an annual Pass so you could right. go and play as much as you want. A right. lot of retired people went and did that. Then one year we raised it to six hundred bucks, and my God in heaven, you would have thought that uh, <laughs> people were taking your home from you. Oh, wow. Yeah, people just totally freaked out on that. Well, it's still a good buy it's, if, it's you, a good if you're going to be out there golf, you know, every yeah. day or something. You're going to end up, uh, you know, it's well ahead. Twenty-five, thirty bucks, I think. Yeah. Uh, when you go up there, if you sure. have a cart or something like that. Of course, that. if you only golf five or six times a year, then it's going to well, be tough. Yep. But why a why lot get of people, a pass then? <laughs> a lot of people use it, and I think there's some time restrictions or, or whatever on it. Yeah. But but uh, so Fido was a big-time golfer. Gary Doty, when he was mayor, he mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, he was uh, accommodating, but he wasn't as into it as and then right. Herb Bergson when he became Bergson was a big time golfer. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, I, I got, he was really good. All of yeah. the golfers in town loved him, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's one reason why he ended up getting elected the one time he did uh, to mayor in Duluth. It was the golf vote. <laughs> yeah, so the golf vote. But you ended up having uh, several mayors that uh, were on board with it, and then you you have uh, those that are kind of not not so hot on the mm-hmm. whole deal. So right. we'll see what happens. With anger and the whole nine yards and development sought at Leicester to see how that moves forward. Some people are talking about, you know, having some sort of an entertainment center or building condos or houses or apartments or whatever the case is. And I'm sure the neighborhood out there will be involved in it. Yeah. Well, the problem is there's lots of, you got to get the developer in order to do all that. And you do. To come you do. by lately. Does anybody want to put the money in to try and put something together for it? Somebody was talking about, you know, you should really have a hotel located yeah. out in that area. Not up on the golf course, but down below. Mm-hmm. 
And hotel uh, rooms hard to find, at least in some uh, uh, weekends like this past weekend right. around the Twin. Well, Bars. there's there's no hotel accommodations <laughs> east of um, uh, uh, the big water park down there ah. on 26th Avenue East. There's no no that's, hotels that's in it, Duluth huh? yeah. east of that. Huh. And I think one of the one of the reasons in the past was I uh, was dealing with liquor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eastern part of Duluth was dry as oh, far as liquor right, stores yeah. and bars and that sort of thing. And that's now that's changed. changed. Yeah. That's changed. But we'll see what happens with uh, developments as time goes right. on. Now, did you uh, do anything with Grandma's Marathon this weekend? I, uh, I heard about it, but I didn't watch any of it. it. And okay. I was in Superior and stayed there all weekend long, yeah. trying well, to I keep out that... of the traffic, which is obviously an issue every Grandma's Marathon weekend. Oh, yeah, Boy, it, it was... Uh, Pretty exciting races. I guess the runners really like the weather because they set some pretty good times. Yeah, the the, uh, the the one of the guys that has won a number of times. He's yeah. from Kenya. Now, friends five, of mine, know, I think. <laughs> friends of mine know him. And they he ah. stayed at their house a couple of oh, times really? when okay. he come to town and that sort of thing. But it was pretty exciting for them. And then a yeah. young woman won the women's. It was her first marathon, and she won it. I know it. That was something else. Where do you go from there after you win the Well, I wonder how she's feeling after putting (laughs) all the energy and effort into it. But she must have done a lot of miles. That was Laura Hagens running her first ever marathon, uh, winning in a time of 225.55. Amazing. Hey, we got to get to the phone real quick here. Hi, who's this? Hi, good morning. This is Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Hi, I got a quick one for you. You were talking about golf just a minute ago. Yeah, Jerry. The guy telling his buddy he's got a brand-new golf ball, and it's really special. And he said, well, what's so special about it? He said, well, he said, you hit it, and it lands in the water. It not only floats, but it wiggles its way to shore. Wow. He said, that's great. And he said, if you're in the rough, it goes beep, 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 so you can find it. Nothing to it. Great. Nice. <laughs> and he said, if it's dark and it's in the rough, it sends up a beacon. So you can read, man, he said, what a great ball. He said, where'd you get a ball like that? He said, I found it. Ooh, you found it. Okay. <laughs> Jerry, well, be good now. <laughs> I will. Have a good day. Thanks for the call. So uh, uh, back to Grandma's Marathon. There you go. So uh, anyway, you, you said uh, her name is Hagen? That, uh, Lauren Hagen. Lauren yeah. Hagen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations yeah. to her. And, Alicia uh, Barno winning uh, the men's division. Fifth yep. time. Fifth time, yeah. But his best time in Duluth at 209.14, and that was only eight seconds short of the record. So, I mean, he was, he was running right along. Two hours and uh, it's something else. Uh, and then the half marathon, we had a, a new record time. Maggie Montoya winning with a time of 109.26 in the half marathon. That beats the previous record set by Kara Goucher. Hey. So she's got a record. So did I, did I ever tell you about my experience when we were first initiating a sister city re- uh, relationship in Russia? Mm. Uh, Petrosvatsk is oh, the yeah. city that became our sister city. They still are, aren't they? Yeah, they still I don't are. imagine there's too much interaction going on now, but... There's not. <laughs> yeah. And one of these days we'll get one of the guys that was okay. instrumental yeah, be on board to talk because he still keeps in touch with people Good. over there. Uh, anyway, we were in, there were about 30 of us that went on this, uh, several of us mm-hmm. uh, that were on the city council. This was back in 1986. Okay. And uh, the former provost at UMD, Ray Darland, and... Uh, um, uh, Tom Little's dad, Tom Little, he was a preacher and a teacher out at East High School. He was along on the trip and a mm. whole bunch of other people. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, we're, we're over there, and uh, we meet the mayor of Petrovac and their city council, and they have a couple of interpreters there for us, sure. and there's all of us. And people are asking questions of uh, the mayor and such, and, and one of our delegation invited the mayor to uh, send runners to mm-hmm. Grandma's Marathon. Oh, for crying okay? out loud. And all of a sudden, there was a stir with 
back and forth with the interpreter and the mayor, and they're going, and I, I, I can't. <laughs> Basically, what are you talking about? And they're going to go back and forth and back and forth yeah, and back, yeah, and, forth yeah. and, back yeah. and forth and back and forth. And all of a sudden it comes. He was thinking it was grandmother's marathon, and all these grandmothers <laughs> were running it, and that we wanted grandmothers to come to Duluth to run grandmother's marathon. Well, finally, through the interpreter, it was yeah. explained Good. that grandma's was a restaurant in the area who initially had sponsored it, mm-hmm. and that's what it was named after, but it's a wide range of people, and he finally got it, and eventually they did send some runners. Well, it's an easy you know, mistake to make. <laughs> I, I was uh, working back when we were doing the live uh, start-to-finish coverage here on KDAL. I was in the newsroom kind of typing up the stories and sending them off, and CBS News called up and said, how about this Grandma's Marathon, which Grandma was the big winner? <laughs> well, wait a minute. It's just called Grandma's Marathon. There may be some grandmothers running, but that's not the uh, uh, you know the whole deal. Interpreta- so. And that was in English, plain English. Well, yeah, right. CBS figured, hey, this is a this would be a good story to run here. Grandma's we had the marathon. language barrier, uh, uh, but uh, the the Ruskies figured it out, and we all figured it out, <laughs> and hopefully. And Duluth I, uh, has kept their relationship yeah. with the sister city in Russia, even even with this nastiness going on in yeah, Ukraine. I hope so, but. And other other cities around the country have dissolved their relationship with their Russian mm-hmm. counterparts, which I think is unfortunate. Well, yeah, it's not a, the city's fault. That, uh, well, you've, you've got to keep are... the doors open, right? And uh, let's hope let's hope. Get yeah, it'd be fun to get brain. somebody in, though, that they're still in touch with those folks to see, what, well, we'll see get, what the uh, common folk feels like uh, in Russia. I'm going to, uh, uh, I've talked with Tom Morgan. He's a professor of uh, Russian mm. studies and language up at St. Scholastica. Okay. And he was along on the all the initial trips, and he still keeps in contact. Very cool. And I've uh, asked him to come on the show sometime, and he's he's going to. So all we'll right. get that set up sometime this summer. and and have him on board talking a little bit about that. 8.38 now at KDAL, another break, and we'll be back. Hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart, sweet Mary Lou. Rockin' Ricky Nelson, and hello, Mary Lou. How are you? You know, I saw him in concert up at UMD. I saw him at uh, the deck one time. He was actually in the auditorium, if I remember right. They did a, a deal up at UMD. This would have been mm-hmm. oh, in the mid maybe nineteen seventy four, in the uh, uh, big gymnasium oh, up there. Sure. <laughs> and I took some photographs of it. Yeah. It's a good concert. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, he put on a good show. If I remember. So uh, last Friday we were talking about yes. UFOs, and our caller didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to tell us his story. And apparently he's got a story for us here. <laughs> Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Hey, good morning. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to just hear about my story. Oh, sure. Um, I, I was stationed in England from 1972 to 1974. I was in the Air Force. I was at uh, Upper Hayford. Uh, it was a, a B-17 base, and it, it was continued to be used. You know, we used it uh, uh, at the time I was there. We had F-111 swing-wing fighter bombers. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was one month before departing after my two-year stint. I was working uh, grade shift from 11 to 7. I was in charge of the production control shop. That was in control of all the maintenance that went on in all the aircraft hangars for the, for the F-111. Um, I remember you know, Friday night, first of all, I have to tell you this, that it's a story that it never goes away. It's as fresh in my memory as it was the day it happened. Sure. Wow. And I would like 
tell everybody that if you were there, I would like you to tell me what you saw. To explain the story and to repeat it, you know, exactly how it happened, it's, it doesn't change. So my story goes, um, working midnights, I got a call from command headquarters and it said, uh, Sergeant, my name, you know, we're done flying. We're going to let everybody go early tonight. Mm. It was about 2 a.m. in the morning. So I called all the shops. I called my one friend in the one in the sheet mail shop, and I said, "Hey, Matt, I'll meet you outside in about 15 minutes. You know, we're, we're we're off." I remember I went outside, and it was a really a crisp, clear, starry night. There was just zillions of stars. There was no light pollution there at the base, and so my friend Matt came walking out. We're standing there talking. We're about four feet apart. We're standing there talking, and all of a sudden, I'm out of my peripheral vision. I'm going to guess, let's say, two miles away. I saw this glowing object just skimming over the trees, and I caught it on my peripheral vision, and I said, Matt, look. And as soon as he turned to look, this thing changed directions. It did not slow down. It did not curve. It just changed directions. Wow. In my humble opinion, it was probably doing about 400 miles an hour wow, when yeah. we saw it, and it just changed directions. It flew right over the base, right over the runway. Because, um, you know, in your mind, you know where everything's located. Sure. It flew right over the runway. It came right in a straight line right to us. It stopped right above us. We are right below this thing. It's probably 30 feet above us. Wow. We're looking at the bottom of this thing. And the first thing I thought to myself was, I just saw where it was. Now it's right on top of us. <laughs> and I didn't feel any fear. I felt total amazement about what I just saw. So the first thing my mind does is I'm looking for recognizable features. So I'm looking for doors, windows, wheels, yeah. antennas, numbers, and there was none. So, you know, and, and, and this thing was precise. It didn't wiggle. It didn't wobble. It didn't. It didn't light up the sky. It glowed. It glowed orange like a coal in a fire, and it was just perfect. You know, it was an oval object about the length of a station wagon car and what appeared to be about 10 seconds above us all of a sudden it just started to slowly move forward about 50 feet it angled upward and it accelerated and went to light speed and went to the stars in approximately wow. three seconds wow. and it left a curved light trail if you've ever seen a shooting star you see that just that sure. brief streak huh. it left that brief streak right in front of us we're at ground zero and the first thing i thought was Wow. You know, and so the first thing I thought was base radar. So I ran in and I called base radar and I introduced myself and I said, did you just have a weird sighting on your radar screen? And there was a pause and he goes, he goes, no, what did you see? And I said, never mind. And I hung up the phone. I wouldn't talk about it. I knew what the government did. I mean, they interrogate you and they make you believe you never saw it. Oh, but to imagine to see this and be that close to it, the, it, the experience never leaves you. Right. This was in 1974. Wow. Man. Yeah, what, a, what a story. What a story. And, uh, and I mean, did you tell it to anybody? I mean, there's a lot of uh, UFO organizations and such that like to collect these I, stories. I, I did. With well, my experience, you know, I worked with, you know, indirectly with, with the pilots for a while. Uh -huh. And I talked to a couple of pilots that were sent up on a UFO bogey. And they were, they were coming up at Mach 2, uh, and they just almost got to it 
mm-hmm. where they're just getting a visual and the, the, the UFO accelerated and left them standing like they weren't even moving. Mm-hmm. And when they landed, they went through debriefing and they, they were somewhere in debriefing up to eight hours. They could not leave until they said, you know what, I guess I never saw nothing. Yeah. So they were basically deprogrammed by the government. So did I talk about it? About 10 years after I was back, I was listening to a late night talk show and they were talking about UFOs and they had mm-hmm. a UFO expert. And I called in. I told him I was just part of my story. He said, "We want to put you on." I put was on, and the 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 the, the expert said, "What you saw was a shuttlecraft." He said the mothership was up there, and that's where it went. Went to the mothership, oh. you know. So that explained it. And and he he heard of that exact shape and size in his, his travels. He heard of that oh. that you know because there's different types of UFOs. You know, there's big ones, little ones, whatever. But he had heard of that exact orange shaped, oval shaped. Uh, shuttlecraft is what he referred sure. to. So I got a question for you. Uh, what do you think of uh, the government now uh, actually looking into uh, mm-hmm. the whole phenomena, UFOs? All of a sudden now it's it's not quite an open book, but all of a sudden they're talking about it more freely. What do you think about what's going on today? Your question is really relevant to, to what is going on. Um, I have met, you know, in my military career, I put 21 years in the military. In my military career, there's always these rumors you hear, but nobody ever has any solid proof. But the government has solid proof. You know, so I think right now there's people that are actually stepping forward, presenting facts. And they're always questioning, and they're trying to make, like, well, yeah, well, maybe, you know. So I think eventually there's going to be proof. I believe right now you've seen instances where the government, so whistleblowers had said said that they have debris and wreckage from right. UFOs. I believe that that is very possible because of my experience, and I believe they have it, and I think eventually this is going to, there's going to be more evidence. Well, well if they're be, still around, you would figure all the people with cell phones and access to cameras now would get a, you know, be able to get a picture of something like that. I mean, exactly. This yeah, is, and your uh, your case, obviously, there's no camera around, so right. nothing you could do. But if you had a cell phone back in those days, you could have snapped pictures, video, what have you. You know, I'll tell you something. When you talk about uh, a buddy of mine and I were sitting out on the deck a few years back, mm-hmm. and uh, we were looking out over the lake, and we'd had a, had a beer, a beer, and we looked up, and all of a sudden there was contrails over. You know, yeah. we live up by the air base up, uh, up here. All of a sudden this boxcar... Literally, it looked like a boxcar <laughs> went flying overhead. And we looked at this, and we saw the bottom of it, and it was a rectangular shape. Like We said, was that a boxcar? And we're going, what the heck was that? And it was gone. Off, and, off and, the railroad tracks. And we had no, no idea. And it was up, oh, maybe 3,000 feet. Wow. And uh, it was perplexing, but I uh, yeah. had no idea what it was. So uh, whether it was uh, something, something suspicious or... The light was uh, yeah. dancing differently for us. It wasn't the beer because it, we were only on our first beer. <laughs> we decided to have a few more after we saw it, though. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. It was great to hear about Can it. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. okay, my biggest question, and, and it just boggles my mind, why did it come to us? Well, yeah. This is true. Just this looking true. around or uh, maybe some other uh, issue. I don't just know. don't know. No. No. Hey, thanks for the call. Hey, thanks. We Good. do have to run 8.53 here at KDAO. We'll be right back. 80s for the inland portions of the area. 
Temperatures tonight fall back into the 50s. And for our day on Tuesday with mostly sunny skies overhead, temperatures once again climb into the 60s and 70s by Lake Superior, 80s for the inland portions of the area. With Northern News Now, I'm Peter Kafkowskis for 610 AM and F103.9 KDIL. 80s again on Wednesday too, but southeast winds expected Wednesday, so it looks like a cooler by the lake period one uh-huh. more time. 56 is the current airport temp with cloudy skies and fog. It is 50 downtown, 49 in Superior. Again, the fog is supposed to lift, and we'll have a sunshiny uh, sky by this afternoon. Is what well, I guess so. They, we'll see. <laughs> but have you seen the temperatures down in Texas and throughout? I know they had a they're, bunch of They're tornadoes. having hot weather, and they're also having stormy weather stormy down weather. south. And here we are stuck in a, you know, a constant no rain, I see lake it. wind situation. Austin, Texas, 108 <laughs> degrees, Holy and I guess God. the uh, heat index was like 117 or wow. something like well, that. Well, that's too hot. I, yeah. I want it warm for summer, but my, I don't need it 90s and 100s. That's... My son just this past year moved yeah. to Austin. He was standing down <laughs> in Houston and moved over to Austin, and uh, it'll be interesting to get the report on him. So, yeah. Yeah, it's too bad we don't have Bruce here. This is something I could have stumped him on, but okay. I've got a little <laughs> deal on this day. Uh, we weren't here yesterday, but on June 18th, 1886, All right. now a sports event happened in Duluth. What would that be, Neil? A Duluth pitcher strikes <laughs> out 18 batters. Holy cow. And uh, uh, Mark Baldwin, he was a 22-year-old pitcher uh-huh. from Pittsburgh, struck out 18 batters as Duluth defeated St. Paul 13-4 to Wow! in a Northwestern League professional baseball game. Wow. St. Paul Globe reported the pitching... Of Baldwin was simply immense, <laughs> and uh, the later on Baldwin would go to play professionally for Chicago really? the White Sox. All right, and uh, but he gave up. He gave up uh, baseball down the road, went back to college, and became a physician. Oh, how about that? Something else. But he was quite the player. He played uh, professional for a while. Now, what year was this again? Eighteen eighty-six. Oh, baseball has been around <laughs> a long, long time. Oh yeah, it's been around since. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. So, right. so there. And we had professional baseball teams in Duluth. We had uh, football team, yep. the Eskimos, mm-hmm. and of course now today you couldn't name it that. Uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> Esco. Uh, yeah, poor the Eskimos are no longer change their yeah. name to uh, yeah. Esco whatever's. But I uh, don't think they've come up with a new name yet. But uh, that's kind of too bad. It's not even spelled like a regular Eskimo. It's Eskomo. Yes, that's true. For Esco. Uh, Esco oh, well. after Esco, not yeah. after. But they did have the igloo yeah. was uh, uh, one sure. of the symbols. So now right. somebody complained. So. It could be the Inuits, I suppose. I guess so. I, so I guess we're going to see you Wednesday, huh? Uh, Wednesday would be the next time you're here. I'll be back next hour and yeah. for the rest of the week. All right. <laughs> so. Well, we'll talk to you later. But we'll catch you again on Wednesday. And we got news coming up next from CBS at 9 o'clock. News from the Minnesota News Network and Wisconsin Radio Network to follow. And Bruce is back with more sports, too, next hour.